And please be seated. Thank you, worship team. If you guys have your, your Bibles with you today, we'll be speaking from the Revelation passage. Uh, Josiah, could you put that just up on the screen for everyone, the Revelation, so people know where it's going to be? Because it's kind of broken up a little bit in the, in the liturgy. So there was kind of chunks of it. So it starts with Revelation 21, verse 10. And, you know, Revelation is uh, it's actually this beautiful, beautiful book. Depending on how you grew up and what your denomination, it could have been pretty <clears throat> scary if at times, right? Just saying. Uh, but it is actually this beautiful book, and it's a great bookend to the Bible. It really is. Um, you start off with the story in Genesis, and then you end with this beautiful redemption story of Jesus. Probably the title you have in your Bible says, The New Heaven and the New Earth. And I'd like to read, read it again so we're kind of familiar with what we're going to be talking about. It says, In the Spirit, the angel carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. The gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And we should say, Amen. What a beautiful passage. So today, for practical purposes, right, this is the conclusion of the biblical story. It's the climax. It's the finale. And we hear from the last chapter of the last book of Scripture, and what we hear is glorious. So let's just back up and we'll catch up to this point. At this point, the seven-year tribulation of God's wrath poured on the earth is completed. The Antichrist, right, the false prophet, and even Satan himself have all been cast into the lake of fire. There was a thousand-year millennial reign of Christ where he ruled, or more literally, we sing it all the time, he actually shepherded the nations from Jerusalem where he established his throne. And it will be a time of peace. And as the prophet Isaiah describes it, and you guys are very familiar with this, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The nations will come into Jerusalem to give him honor. The earth itself will be changed. 
It says, The wolf will lie down with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the little boy will lead them. It says, The cow and the bear will graze together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand into the viper's den. Scripture tells us, it says, In that day the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So after the millennial reign of Christ, the earth as we know it today will pass away. It will be burned up by fire. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be a new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven upon the new earth. And believe it or not, that new earth is what we're going to call home. That will be our eternal home. So have you always wondered anything about heaven or why maybe as a Christian it's our home to long for? Just me? No? Yes? Thank you, sir. See that hand back there. So I want us to meditate on the words of this passage that we find here at the end of the Bible. And it's actually, if you really read into it, it's rich in colors and images. And I hope this morning that those will soak into your soul, enlighten your heart, and maybe renew your faith and hope and love. John, the author of the book of Revelation, right? He describes the city that has come down to be the center of the new heaven and the new earth. And he extols the beauty and the perfection of this city. And he does it in such a way it actually challenges, right, human speech. Right? He's just in awe of everything he sees. But John tells us this new Jerusalem is a golden city, crystal clear, like a rare jewel. He says the wall surrounding this four-square city has a dozen gates, each one a giant lustrous pearl with three gates on each side, and each one is guarded by an angel. This is a stable city, resting not on a single foundation, but on twelve foundations, one on top of another, and each foundation is made of a different precious stone. And then John describes the city's architecture, and then he moves on to a different theme. And the theme is the life of the new Jerusalem. And he describes it. He says it promises even more magnificently the heaven by which God's grace and mercy awaits us on the far side of death. Hearing about the life enjoyed by the city citizens, and then it can actually elevate or even illuminate, it can enliven the desire of our hearts for God and for the completion, right, of God's purposes. But what we learn of the New Jerusalem serves another purpose also. And it's this. It can give us glimpses of heaven when they intrude into our lives. So in other words, it can help us recognize glimpses of heaven when they intrude in our lives. So that little piece of heaven here on earth. Right? For when we live by faith, heaven is not a far-off and strange foreign country, but rather we find ourselves dwelling, some of the time at least, here on this earth in the suburbs of the new Jerusalem. And moments come when we are granted sights of this golden splendor. And it happens to us when we least expect it. 
So there's three points that I will make about heaven that have something to say about glimpses of heaven here on earth. And I actually believe some of these is what Desert Mission Anglican Church is trying to walk out here on earth. First, heaven is a community. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you all three. Heaven is a community. Guess what, introverts? There's people there. Just saying. You can't hide. All right? There is people in heaven, our brothers and sisters. Second, heaven is a place of healing. So, first, heaven is a community. Second, heaven is a place of healing. And third, heaven is a place of vision. It's a place of vision. So first, then, heaven is a community. See, the story of humankind in the Bible takes us from a garden with only one couple, and from there it goes to a vast cosmopolitan population, (laughs) which is the new Jerusalem, right? So we go from two people to, oh my gosh, there's lots of people, right? So what happens is heaven is this community. It's just not for an individual, Okay, there's going to be people there. There is an intimate, personal encounter with God, with Christ. And we get to see that when we get there. And this new Jerusalem that John describes for us is a vast cosmopolitan city with people of every kind and from every nation. It is the capital of God who delights, listen to this church, in diversity Variety, mixture, assortment, and whatever the thesaurus will throw out at me for these words. Okay? So it's going to be a place full of everyone. So if you want a foretaste of, of heaven or a little nibble to whet your appetite, right? Then for some of us, we just need to go out and experience our own community. I mean, that's, that's it. We go out there. You see people, right? You can't have a picnic in the summertime here. So I said springtime, maybe, if we're lucky. And you're actually going to see families and communities actually gathering together and playing and having fun. You kind of see that little glimpse, right? And it's a lot of people. The image I always get is because I teach kids all the time. And, and that's kind of, I think, what heaven's like. You know, kids really just don't care they just want to play so i don't know if we're going to play when we get there but it's this beautiful glimpse right because it's children of every kind do you hear me church all races all creeds hanging out having fun being with one another and i could see that and those little glimpses when i teach my kids because most time they just play hide and seek or some other fun game and it's actually beautiful because they'll find one another and i think it's how christians should be Second, heaven is a place of healing. Now, John points to this when he describes what J.I. Packer calls the horticulture of heaven. Okay? Through the city runs the river, the beautiful river. The river, right? The water of life, bright as crystal, and it's more splendid than any river that we will see here on this earth. Scripture says, on the banks of the river appear rows of magnificent trees. 
John describes, he says, this is the tree of life, bearing fruit not once or twice a year, but once a month. And it's a super tree. And it's astoundingly fruitful. And I think it's interesting when you go back and look through Scripture, all these analogies of trees. Have you guys noticed that? Yes, church? I know it's Memorial Day weekend, but come on. We got to go here a little bit. All right? You know, we had a tree in the garden that condemned us. We had a tree at Calvary that saved us. Right? You have trees when the blind man, he said, what do you see? It looks like trees, people. Okay? So I think that's a really great analogy, and I think that's why John was actually describing it that beautiful. But when I had to read this scripture over and over, there was something that, that got me, and it's this. And if you don't pay attention to it, it just kind of goes right past. And John tells us that the leaves of the tree are for the healing of nations. Now, I, that struck me as a little odd. The healing of nations, right? So we have the healing of nations. And I found this interesting through commentary. Heaven has medicine for the wounds that separate and scar nations on the earth. The new Jerusalem is thus a place of reconciliation where old and deep antagonism no longer produce their poison, where traditional enemies enjoy peace with one another. It is not that these costly antagonisms, these wars and feuds and oppressions are forgotten, repressed or ignored, but what happens is in these wounds, they are healed. Brokenness gives way to wholeness. Hatred gives way to love. See, nations once at odds, now together bring their glory and honor into the new Jerusalem. That's what the Bible tells us. Right? Leaving behind anything false. They freely offer their particular gifts. And all this happens because of the healing leaves of the tree. And believe it or not, that tree bears the shape of a cross. So if then national wounds can be healed, so also can smaller but no less painful wounds. Right, Strife between tribes and clans and families and classes and groups and individuals. All these are healed in heaven at the price of the cross. Everyone leaves behind what is evil and makes their particular offerings to God. So, our application here, if you want to see a bit of heaven on earth, then we need to go to where reconciliation is is real, where wounds big and small are treated and healed. Or maybe bring this heaven to earth yourself. Showing it in the workplace. Or how about bringing it closer to home. Forgive someone. That's the hardest. Maybe you have to forgive yourself. But when we do these things, we just see that glimmer of what's waiting for us in heaven. The new Jerusalem. And then finally, heaven is a place of vision. I want you to note the references to light in today's passage from Revelation. We hear that the light of the new Jerusalem is God's glory and its lamp is the lamb. It says, by this light, the nations will walk. 
Their gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. And what is the object of vision in the city of purity and light? And John tells us in a few words. He says, The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. So what we see is God's servants will be marked as belonging to God, even as the church now marks either your forehead or your brow with the sign of the cross at your baptism. You are sealed with the Spirit. You hear me, church? It is the privilege of these servants not only to worship God, but it's to see God. So this, the sight of God, is what above all else makes heaven, heaven. See, here in our present life, right, worship remains a little indirect. Why? We use sacraments, signs. We use images, words. And they suggest that the divine reality to our own hearts and minds when we see and when we do these things. And there, my friends, when we do that, we will see God face to face. We hear that in our Holy Eucharist. Here we encounter God amid the shadows, right? And the uncertainties of our lives. There we shall see God in the bright light of eternal day. And in the delightful rest of eternal Sabbath. You guys ready for rest on the Sabbath? I see a lot of faces. I don't get rest on the Sabbath is what I'm thinking you're saying. We shall have achieved the purpose of our existence and entered into abundant joy from which there will be no exit. Once we're there, we are there. In the celebrated words of St. Augustine, he says this, We shall rest and we shall see. We shall see and we shall love. We shall love and we shall praise. Behold what shall be in the end and shall not end. So we do not now live in that great city, but from time to time we find ourselves, perhaps to our surprise, seeing glimpses of those moments. And so as John might put it, right, we can catch a glimpse of the beautiful crystal water, the walls and its gates of stupendous pearl. And what I call here the glimpse may happen in countless ways. It may come in a strange warming of the heart, a refreshment of hope and courage, assurance in time of hardship. The creator of all things, the Lord of all time, is versatile in giving us glimpses of that great city and its reminders of our true home. And we cannot dictate when these things will will happen, but we can leave ourselves open to recognize and welcome when they occur. So church, we can learn and we can relearn that heaven is a community. It's a place of healing and it's a place of vision. And then we can long for heaven in its fullness and also enjoy the glimpses when they appear to us now in moments of vision 
and in healing in the community. And then we will come to the new Jerusalem. And church, it will not seem strange to us. It will be home. Amen? Amen. Would you please stand?